Welcome back to the Who Witch Wear podcast, where I talk to witches about witch life, witch stories, and sometimes a little witchcraft. In this episode, Sarah Louise of Bright Witch Brews joins us from Australia. She tells us a ghost story from New Orleans, explains why you might be mysteriously drawn to her tea shop, and manages to get me to reveal one of my great fears. There's even a discount code at the end of the episode for her shop. Now let's get on to the stories. All right, welcome, Sarah. Hi, Kim. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. I'm just going to say it because (laughs) we had to start all over again because my computer turned off because I forgot to, I didn't realize that it had come unplugged. So (laughs) welcome back again. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's really, thank you very much for coming on the show and for tolerating this hijinks (laughs) that seem to be happening i'm really excited to be here i've uh been listening to all of your other episodes and i've been really really enjoying the uh all of the questions that you've been asking are really interesting and i've been really enjoying just mulling them over and, and having a bit of a contemplation it's been really nice oh good Please introduce yourself, introduce your business, tell us who it's for, what you do, and why it's different from other others like it that are out there. Sure. Uh, so I'm Sarah Louise. I'm an artist and creative writer and tea witch at Bright Witch. So I sell enchanting little tea blends with edible glitter and I write cozy tea time tales and I hope that soon I'll be expanding out into some art prints as well. So the whole the whole intention behind this business was to create just this really kind of enthralling sensory experience and to to kind of offer a place of inspiration and and sanctuary from the day to day. Uh, so with the tea, everything about the tactile experience of it is really important to me. So I wanted to have just these really beautiful scents and flavors and. Um, the aesthetic with the with the glitter, and mm-hmm. I just really wanted to make this little magical potion from something that I I at least drink every single day. And with the uh, with my tea tales and my art, I wanted to give people little fantasy and a magical world that they could kind of visit and lose themselves in and engage their imagination. So the the way that my business is different from others out there is that I think I really like to focus on the sensory delight and just create this really novel experience and and kind of enrich that with these little tea tales and little magical writings and and um at the moment I'm working on a long form story as well as I write little tea tales that are just these little tea break escapes and I haven't seen really other people marry those two things together yeah um and I just yeah I really think that words have a lot of power and so the the writing that I do through bright which I really want to just invoke this sense of magic and awe and you can find me at brightwitch.com. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at brightwitchbrews, though I'm mostly active on Instagram. I'm really excited to try 
your stuff because when Charlie and Macy described it, they were talking about the glitter and I am not a glitter person, but (laughs) I want to eat some glitter (laughs) and it just sounds gorgeous. And I can just imagine how beautiful it is and how I'm specifically talking about the blue moon, right? Yeah. Yeah. The blue moon is definitely a favorite. (laughs) I am dying to try that. Yeah. I'm more than happy to send you some. That's, I plan on ordering some, so. (laughs) (laughs) And my patrons are going to be in for a surprise if any of them listen. I know at least one of you do. Get ready for that. (laughs) Don't tell anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what does it mean to you when you call yourself a witch? So most of my magical practice, at least, you know, from day to day, it focuses less on the external aspects of spellcraft. So less on, you know, specific little ritual things or working with ingredients or objects and is more focused on creating internal states of feeling or states of being. So I I daydream a lot and lately I've been trying to really focus on using my imagination and my daydreams as my my main magical practice and means of spell casting because it's just something I do naturally almost all day every day. So at the the moment my beliefs kind of lean towards ideas of panpsychism, so the, the idea that consciousness is a fundamental aspect of the cosmos at large. So, oh no, that's making me oh, think no? things. <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're going, you're wrong. No, <laughs> I know the secret. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, th- th- there's a bit of background to to coming to those kinds of ideas, and then they're not even really set in stone beliefs because. There's so much we don't know about the way everything works that it seems kind of foolish to go, yes, this is definitely the way things work and this is definitely how magic works and this is definitely how consciousness works. Like I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we can ever say that as as human beings with, you know, with the senses that we have. <laughs> but the the general kind of philosophy I guess I subscribe to is this idea that, you know, where do you <clears> – <throat> where do you draw a line between what is conscious and what what's aware and you know is you know we've got human sentience and then we've got animal sentience and then you know uh, earthworm sentient is you know going all the way down are those microorganisms sentient like where do you where do you draw the line i'm afraid of sentient microorganisms because what if all your (laughs) cells decide they don't want to be you anymore that's like a legit fear i have (laughs) oh wow i hate that I love that as a horror story idea. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Things that keep me up at night. I don't wish that I didn't think of it. (laughs) (laughs) Just erase that thought. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, my my general idea is that kind of everything is is conscious like just this little building blocks that that kind of spin themselves up into these little complex forms that and you know complex life and so I think that when we connect to our own internal consciousness that's almost like a communication with the the wider consciousness and that that kind of 
pulls on little threads across reality beyond ourselves. So um, that's why I work a lot with imagination and with states of feeling and states of being and, and I guess just trying to work with my own internal consciousness through imagination. That's and very similar to all what... of my cells in my body just going <laughs> quitting. Time. I don't like this chick. <laughs> I actually really like that idea from just a story perspective. I <laughs> don't want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really. I feel like that's similar to what I believe. I'm just yeah, really bad yeah. at expressing myself. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah i find it really interesting that just ideas of animism and you know that just imbuing inanimate objects with a state of life i guess and then i guess taking that one step further and going well you know j just taking it down to the smallest little particles i do believe in a universal consciousness though yeah have you had any experiences with <laughs> No. <laughs> I hope not. If I I not I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I that's there's just so much mundane crap going on in my life. I don't want to think about the universe talking to me. <laughs> that's enough to be dealing with. Not today. With. <laughs> Uh, would you mind introducing us to your any daily practices that you have? Sure. Um, so most of my daily practices just focus around just moments in mundane life where I make time to either ground myself or um, just kind of daydream in an intentional way. Um, so I'm always drinking tea, like I'll, I'll make so many cups of tea throughout my day and I'll maybe drink half of them before they go cold. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll just stir some intention into my tea or, or ground myself as I'm making it because it's just such a little tactile sensory process that engages so many senses. Or I'll just take like a, you know, a break in the middle of my day and just go stretch out my legs or, or whatever and just spend some time in my own head um, and that's that's most of my practice I used to be really interested in I guess the the daily rituals that I guess you would typically associate with more witchcrafty kinds of things like um, tarot drawers or I used to use my pendulum a lot I've got this little necklace that I that I bought online it's a little foxglove pendant that I use as a little pendulum and I really enjoyed using that um, I used to do little candle rituals where I'd just sit and watch a flame for a little bit while I was doing my morning setups and, and those kinds of things or doing my makeup. But since I've been at home, I've been working from home, I haven't really been doing my makeup that often. So I haven't had that ritualistic aspect in my day for a, a couple of years now. But uh, maybe I should start doing that again. I find I find candle flames quite soothing. Yeah. What kind of things would you ask it? So I, when I, when I first started, I was really interested in, in consciousness. Um, so I was coming from a, a history where I just kind of didn't really believe that there was really anything beyond 
the brain in, in terms of conscious experience. You know, we live in our little meat suits and we go about our days and then we die and then it's, you know, game over kind of thing. That's what I used to believe. And then I had some experiences that made me reconsider, <laughs> reconsider that stance on things. And uh, so a lot of the questions I would ask my pendulum were, um, were things about, you know, afterlife and pre-life and, you know, reincarnation and what are the bounds of consciousness and, and those kinds of things, but trying to put them into a, a yes or no format. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that I took super seriously and that, like, I didn't take the answers from it as gospel because, you know, you're dealing with the subconscious, which I, I don't think when that bubbles up to the conscious brain is a super reliable witness. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun. Pre-life? Yeah. I, I was mean, reading... that makes sense, but. Yeah, I was, I was reading these books by a, a hypnotherapist from the 60s. I am really trying to remember her name. I'm going to say Dolores Cannon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Dolores Cannon. And she's got these, these books where um, – during her hypnotherapy sessions, she accidentally came, she accidentally regressed someone back before birth into the, the kind of space be before life, mm -hmm. <laughs> before someone incarnates. And uh, I, like, I'm, I'm still very skeptical of these ideas, but I, I find them really, really interesting. Um, so I, I read a few of her books and was kind of using the, the pendulum to kind of probe into these ideas of, you know, uh, questions like have I been alive before have I been dead before <laughs> those kinds of things <laughs> okay random question mm -hmm. do you think that pre-life and post-life are the same plane or place oh my assumption was yes um because I the, like the way I think about it is it's kind of this astral imaginal soupy kind of realm that we we come from and then return to, but I could be could be completely wrong. Um, I like I personally don't have any memories as such of of these kinds of places. But uh, have you seen the film What Dreams May Come with no. with Robin Williams? No. Oh, it's maybe I have maybe I've seen parts of it. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's kind of. It's quite a heavy film, so you know, like quant content warning for uh, for you know topics of death and self harm and and these kinds of things. But I have seen it. Yeah, but it was a long time ago, <laughs> and it that... bothered me, so I wiped it out of my <laughs> memory. <laughs> it's it's an intense film. It's it can be pretty dark and pretty heavy, but overall, the way they present ideas of of uh, you know afterlife and and pre-life and reincarnation and and just that kind of astral realm as being really influenced by your your own state of consciousness is kind of what you experience in this really um fantastical kind of malleable environment that that kind of connects to the physical world so you can communicate through these um artistic little modalities and um, that that's kind of how I I think that it works when you get into those kinds of realms of reality, I guess. 
It's just weird that this is coming up because I talked about this with Charlie. (laughs) And it was at random. It was not a planned conversation, just like now. (laughs) Am I going to die? (laughs) I don't think I finished that interview yet. I'm 37 minutes into it. I haven't released the second. It's in the second part. Oh, the second part. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I've been Why really is this coming up? I'm, I'm paranoid now. <laughs> Great. There is no such thing as a coincidence. Awesome. Do you have any family history with witchcraft? Um, I'd probably say a lot of the women in my family are pretty witchy, but I don't think they would call themselves witches. Um, I could be wrong, but I grew up in a quite a Catholic family. Oh. Um, I, was, I was never very dogmatic myself, but my extended family on both sides are, are fairly religious. And I was I was kind of always into magic and especially the idea of fairies as a little girl. And then as a teen, I got into astrology and, and crystals and, and Wicca during that 90s, early thousands, new age resurgence. And when I, the I craft came on, out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like the... Those 90s witches yep. movies are, are my heritage. <laughs> so I grew up on things like the craft and, and practical magic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the craft is kind of a little bit uh, darker, but I, I never really found the idea of witches to be evil or, or kind of scary. Like I just wasn't really exposed to that kind of rhetoric growing up. And my, my grandma was always making me like little fairy type of costumes for my dolls and teddies and things and pasting glittery little fairies on, on my hairbrushes for me. <laughs> and she had, the, she was, she's an incredible gardener and she used to have this, this just amazing sprawling garden. So there was always this kind of, you know, like secret fairies live at the bottom of the garden kind of sense. I was really taken with the idea of angels, especially like guardian angels and I used to get these little angel pins uh, from my relatives for for religious events like, you know, Eucharist and confirmation. And I still have my collection of little angel pins. So I guess there's a little bit of a bleed through from some of the, I guess, religious imagery I grew up from into, um, I guess, into my magical sense. Are you out to your family? Am I out to my family? Um like I haven't had a conversation where I'm like explicitly I am a witch and I do witchcraft kind of conversation, but I mean my my family, at least all of my immediate family and some of my extended family know about my bright witch tea business and they know that it's pretty witchy and they look at the Instagram and what I mm-hmm. post. So it wouldn't come as a shock, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> There's um probably a section of my extended family that I probably just wouldn't mention it to it because I don't think they'd go in for the idea of of witchcraft because they're they're very, very Catholic, attending mass in Latin level of Catholic. (laughs) And I I don't know if they'd be quite into the idea of witchcraft. I'm not sure where their beliefs lie on that kind of thing. And that's like the witchiest, witchiest version. It's the witchiest (laughs) religion. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What was your first experience with witchcraft? First experience. So it's kind of really hard to draw a line, honestly. So as as a kid, I'm sure I fed magical potions to my bear or, you know, if I was mixing little hot chocolates and cackling or something. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and I collected uh, there was this sometimes through news agencies and post offices you could get these like little subscription things so there was this set of astrology cards that would come out kind of every week or every month and you you know pay five dollars and get a little set of cards and then you collect the next bit and I collected little astrology cards that way so zodiac cards and then neat in, yeah it was really I don't think I still have them which is a shame I don't think I ever finished the set but uh I remember um and later primary, so maybe I was in fifth or sixth grade, my dad used to take my brother and I into his his work office while he worked on weekends. So the place would be completely empty, but we had unlimited access to the office printers. Um, so my brother was printing out just stacks and stacks and stacks of Dragon Ball art. And <laughs> I, I, I was I was printing out like just pages of spells and oh. crystal meetings and herb uses and just made myself like this just chunky chunky book of shadows <laughs> so that's, that's amazing yeah it was a, it was so much fun it was it's just like this black and white printer and, and so it's just printing out list and list and list of I kind of wish I still had it I don't know what I did with it I think I might have I might have gotten rid of it and in, in at one one move or another and just got yeah. lost <laughs> to the ages but that's um and this, I think the first spell I ever did was when I was, you know, a tween and I had this little petition scroll. It's like this tiny little piece of paper that's, that rolled up and went inside this little screw top pendant. Oh. Um, and I found that in my jewelry box the other day. It's such a little nostalgic <sighs> thing. Was there a spell in it? There was a <clears throat> an intensely cringe-inducing poem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I read it. And I cringed myself into a black hole and then I put it away into my jewelry box. (laughs) I cringe when I look at my live journal from like 2003. (laughs) And that was not that long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this was something that I wrote when I was like 13. It was like I was so into the idea of like soulmates and, you know, destined love and all of those big romantic kinds of stories. So it was like a little come to me love poem kind of thing. And it's pretty cute. Like if I was reading it and it was, wasn't was by me, I'd be like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> but because I wrote it, I look at it and go, oh, I'm shriveling. <laughs> what would you say is your best witchcraft experience? Okay, so this, <laughs> this actually happened fairly recently, like in the last few months. I was starting to work with, I guess, the the archetype of the fae. Um, And so I did this kind of meditation where the intent was to send out these little fae light messengers um, to kind of try and find people who would most benefit from or appreciate the work that I do with Bright Witch and kind of, you know, like help steer them towards my page if that was, you know, something that would they'd be open to. So I did this exercise where I visualized these little giggling balls of light just flying out around the world and just kind of tapping people on the shoulder. And a few weeks after that, I got this really interesting email from a new customer. I won't say her last name for for privacy, but she told me her name was also Sarah Louise. And she wrote me that she had just woken up that day a few hours before her alarm from a really curious dream. So in this dream, she heard a group of dream characters repeating the name Bright Witch. She described it kind of like they were discussing a private joke or a secret. 
and that these characters were, were, in her words, kind of egging her on to investigate the name. So she she woke up and she immediately Googled Brightwitch and found my store. And then she saw that um, when she saw that we had the same name, that's where she when she decided to write me and, and share this little story. And I, I get goosebumps every time I think about just that connection. So that's why I keep a little fairy altar as a little thank you to those wee cheeky fae. That's crazy isn't it (laughs) i love that story (laughs) that's that's freaking cool yeah Uh, i i find it really hard to chalk that up to coincidence like every time something like that happens i will look for i guess the mundane yeah explanation but the honestly the the come on i'm on this path where is this Where is that? Come on. Where is how is that a coincidence? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that was intense and I I I loved that. That was so great. That's amazing. <laughs> what would you say is your worst witchcraft experience? Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if I'd call it like worst as such, but I did have kind of a really frightening experience. <sighs> So I was experimenting with astral projection because um, I just really wanted to, I just wanted to know if it was real or if it was just lucid dreaming or like, what, what is it? Is it possible? So one day I was kind of napping in and out and meditating. And so I I'd, I'd, I'd was falling in and out of sleep paralysis and I just, I could not wake myself up. I'd wake up, I'd be, I'd have sleep paralysis, but I'd be so tired that I would just kind of keep waking, falling, falling asleep, lucid dreaming, waking, sleep paralysis. And I sort of cycled through that a few times. And one of the times, one of the times after I woke up with sleep paralysis, but before I fell back asleep, I, I tried to project. So I kind of rolled over within my body. Like I could physically oh. feel myself moving through space while also feeling my body lying still on the bed. So I kind of flipped over and rolled out and landed on all fours beside my bed while I was also still in bed. And I I couldn't see anything, but I could feel my position in space. And I I was not in, I was not in my body. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, so I was kind of, kind of blind, like everything was kind of dark and but then there was this kind of tear, like a jagged tear up appeared up near the ceiling and Ooh. shards of this really brilliant white light, like silver white light were shining through it. And I started rising up towards it. I don't like I, it. I, I, I did not like it. I freaked out because I just had this just really certain sense that if I touched that light, I wasn't coming back. <laughs> So I just kind of was like, nope, wrenched myself out of that experience. And then I think I fell asleep into a lucid dream. And the lucid dream just had this complete different quality of experience to it. So I could distinguish between, you know, this this weird kind of, you know, rolling around kind of feeling and lucid dreaming. They were, they were really distinct. So, like, I don't know if it was an actual spiritual thing or just, like, a really funky brain experience that was just brought on by sleep paralysis. Like, I, I don't know. But it was it was both amazing and very, very frightening. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> no. 
I haven't tried it since. <laughs> that was enough. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. What do you feel is your biggest motivator in witchcraft? Uh, learning, for sure. I just I really love doing deep dives on a new topic or a new skill. So I'll become kind of obsessed with a topic and then I'll move on to a new thing and then I'll cycle back around. So I usually have a few different plates all kind of spinning at once to keep me enthusiastic, but also sometimes riding that edge of burnout. So I, <laughs> I, I was really into tarot for a while and I, I did courses in tarot and and then, yeah, just sort of move on from different topics and then I'd be presented with a new thread to chase. And uh, Are yeah, you a I'd, cat? I'd, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'd love to come back as a cat like what do I have to do in this life to come back as a cat <laughs> especially my cat she lives the most charmed life she's asleep on on the bed at the moment <laughs> nice what does she look like she looks uh she's a long-haired domestic calico is a calico you know where they've got kind of orange and black and white mm-hmm. kind of and she's she's enormous like she, she's just a big cat. She was the alpha of her litter when we, when we rescued her, and uh, she's a little bit chubby, but most of her size is just she's just a big cat, <laughs> and she's got this kind of ragdoll looking face, and she, uh, she knows she's cute and exploits it ruthlessly. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest motivator in life? I think it's this, it's really the same thing, just learning. Like I, I'll in. Uh, uh, I'll do deep dives into learning about different art techniques or I'll do courses in creative writing. I'll do deep dives into, you know, like business learning and entrepreneurial resources and um, singing. I really love learning singing and I've been oh. taking voice lessons for a few years. So uh, That's probably the, the writing and singing are probably the two most consistent topics that I will, have been learning about over over time. But I'll kind of mix and match. Like I'll go through phases where I'm really into one thing and then I'll kind of pull back from that and go on to a different thing. And, yeah, very much shiny object cat brain (laughs) syndrome for sure. What do you geek out about? Oh, okay. So I've got got a few things, but I can talk for hours about ghosts and the paranormal. <laughs> like I just, I love ghost stories. Do you have and any of your own? I do. <gasps> I do. Would you like me to save that for, would you like me to tell it now or save it for like the last story? It's up to you. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell it now. So a few <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Boy, yes, that was me clapping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a few years ago, I think I, I mentioned before, like I just, I didn't, I went through a really witchy phase when I was, you know, in my teens and then into my early twenties and I was like really interested in energy work and, and energy healing and that kind of thing. And then in my mid twenties, I just, I don't know what happened. Like I must've just like read something or something just switched that off and I just, I just like woke up one day and just didn't believe in any of it. it was, huh. You know, it's, it's just the brain. That's, that's all it is. Everything, everything else is just a, a quirk of perception and, um, you know, that there's nothing really beyond it. And, and then after a few years of that kind of belief, I was just like, just kind of spiraling a little bit. Um, 
I didn't really, I didn't really have any kind of spiritual faith or, or anything that was, that was keeping my head right. And I'd just taken a few kind of setbacks in life at, at that point, you know, just like in relationships, not working out, jobs, not working out, that kind of thing. And so I was kind of, I was trying to work on some side projects at the, that time when that were quite stressful. And yeah, I was just in a, in a bad space and I just Googled proof magic is real. And I came across Dean Radin's book, Real Magic. And that kind of opened, opened my mind a little bit to, I guess, the possibility that that consciousness isn't necessarily confined to our brains. Um, you know, that there might be a bit more to it than that. So at that time, this was back in 2018, and I was just about to turn 30. And so it was with with this kind of still very skeptical but starting to open my mind a little bit mindset that I went on a trip with my friends to New Orleans and we went on a ghost tour and I, I wasn't really expecting much other than, you know, like really cool histories and spooky stories and wandering through all these really interesting buildings. And, um, then we, we, we come to like the last, venue of of the evening it's this ballroom at the bourbon orleans hotel and uh so we get a, a bit of history of the the ballroom and and you know like what it, what its purpose was throughout the years and how it how it started and then as as this kind of little piece of theatrical spookiness that our tour guide had us all lined up against kind of like one wall of the the ballroom and he he goes over into the the corner to flip out the light and this this poor poor little child absolutely flees the room like he's just like nope thirteen <laughs> so like, year old boy is like I'm out of here so he he just sprints across the room through the ballroom doors and 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 waits outside so basically the the central part of the ballroom area was was empty and so we we all started taking photos once the lights were turned out and then we were kind of all wandering around the the ballroom and. I get to the middle of the room and I kind of just have this really physically intense like physical sensation across my my neck and shoulders that that kind of feels like a menthol bomb, you know, like a tiger bomb mm-hmm. where it's kind of like that prickling heat sensation. It felt like someone had just smeared that all across my back and and down my neck. That's unpleasant. <laughs> it, it was I was just like, "Ooh, that was at, at at that point, I'm like, "Ooh, this, this is like a psychological reaction to a really spooky <laughs> atmosphere," and and wandering around. And then we uh, we wrap up the tour, and we're all waiting outside. As you know, we're getting the little "Okay, thank you for coming, goodbye" kind of kind of speech. And I'm flicking back through the photos on my phone, and and I look at at my screen. I'm like, "Oh, there's a, a smudge on the screen," so I'm I'm rubbing at the smudge. Uh, in one of my photos and it's like okay it hasn't gone away so let's zoom in and I see a face <laughs> where there should not be a face and uh yeah so I, I bring up the the brightness and the levels and there is this transparent figure standing in the middle of the ballroom right as we were all starting to take photos this is before anyone started moving around like it's after I took the photo after the kid had fled, like he was already out of the room. <laughs> so it wasn't the kid. It wasn't the boy. <laughs> but well, I, I tried to explain 
this figure away. Uh, I, was, I was getting to the point where I was like, was it like a holographic projection that showed up on my camera? But like not, <laughs> not anyone else's for some reason. And like, we couldn't see anything with our eyes. So what would be the point of setting up that technology? <laughs> and um, like, I, I just had to come to the conclusion that like, I, I, I think this is a ghost. And it was the, the figure was standing in the spot where I felt that Ew. sensation. Ew. So the, Ew. the two things kind of matched up. And if it wasn't for those two really distinct things, I, I wouldn't have trusted it. Like I wouldn't have believed it. And I, I would not blame anyone else for going, yeah, that's no, that sounds like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but because it happened to me, <laughs> I'm like, no, that 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 happened. Okay, that's interesting. And it just kind of blew my mind way open. So I guess the the possibility of, you know, ghosts or spirits or energetic imprints or whatever it is they actually are. And I was looking at its face, like it was zooming in, like my my friends and I were examining it, like scrutinizing it in detail over the the next few days. And it zooming in on its face, it looked it had like a motion blur on its head. And it it was kind of looking towards the door. And so we were thinking it's like maybe it looks like it had followed the boy, like it had turned its head to watch the boy running out of the room. It was it was really creepy. That's disturbing. <laughs> It was really disturbing. But then you and stood then, like, in it. Was... That's horrifying. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't want to stand in anything. It's like in Harry Potter, you walk through a ghost and you just get like, ooh, what the ooh, hell was that? I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, so, yeah, that, that's that's my ghost story. I've forgotten what the original question was. <laughs> that was awful. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, geeking. Geek things you geek out geeking about. Out, and you said right. ghosts. So, <laughs> yes. So I geek out on ghosts and basically anything to do with um, like paranormal scientific studies, like experiments into psychic phenomena and mind matter interactions and like just quantum squiggly wiggly weirdness. I, I just, I love it. <laughs> I don't think we have the right equipment to to catch it all yet. No. No, I agree. And there's, it's really interesting as well because there are some experiments where it's like our our attention kind of affects the results of things, and yeah. our beliefs affects the results and the outcomes of things. So it's, you know, we we love science because it's like you know what's true is true, and it's you know it's it's set in stone, and it's you know you can measure something a million times and you get the same result, and that means it's true. Whereas that that kind of doesn't happen when you when you study consciousness and the the way it interplays with with the, the tiniest little facets of our reality like it gets very very blurry um which i just i find it so interesting i, I get really excited about that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> but if so, yeah, we're all I made of energy book. if we're all made of energy it just makes sense that eventually we'll learn how to shift it around from a distance because everything's yeah, energy exactly and everybody who's like poo poos magic and is naysayers about it that's just science <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's some there's some pretty compelling pretty compelling studies out there that show that that is a, just a reality of energy affects energy at a distance <laughs> Ooh, do you want to hear a theory i do Ooh. <laughs> i love theories okay okay so why weird shit happens when you're almost asleep. So yeah, 
we have brain waves, right? That we have like a um a field that comes mm-hmm. from our brain that is not necessarily attached it's not from our brain, it's from ourselves. And I don't remember who did the testing, but they've done testing about that. Somebody has. Someone has. Yeah. (laughs) And weird things. Like, I think that's what, like, when you're asleep or almost asleep, that's when you hear weird shit. And I think that you're, as you fall asleep, like that field expands a little bit because you're not monitoring it so closely and so more shit can get in oh that's really cool like you're a a little radio and your your little little receptive fields expand yes and so you pick up more oh i I really like that and so the weirdies are like "Eh, this thing's getting bigger i'm gonna slide in here (laughs) (laughs) just slide into your little dream dms (laughs) i that's the worst term in existence but yes I apologize. That term horrifies me so much. <laughs> I don't even really know why, but it does. I think the word slide. There's something I really dislike about the word slide. <laughs> Especially since it's usually talk they're usually talking about something they're that's creepy being slid yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Slippery. <laughs> I hate it. <sighs> How do you feel your environment has shaped your practice? And do you think it might be different if you lived somewhere else? Yeah, I think it would it would definitely be different if I lived in another country, especially if I lived in the Northern Hemisphere. So this kind of ties in with the, uh, you know, spoiler alert, your next question <laughs> about Sabbaths. <laughs> but, oh, um, yeah. Growing up in Australia, our seasons don't really match up directly with you know, the, the North American or Western European kinds of climates. Um, so, you know, we get, you know, summer, winter, spring, um, you know, we get, we get the four seasons, but it's they, not a we kind of experience mirror. them in a different way. Um, and yeah, that, and being in the summer, Southern hemisphere means that our seasons are the opposite of what, you know, the rest of all of you up there are experiencing. So it kind of makes it hard for me to connect to the seasonal holidays, like the wheel of the year, just because it just doesn't really align that neatly. <laughs> Do you feel like, so you've been to the United States? I have. I've okay. Been a, yeah, a few times. Do you feel like the magic here is different from the magic where you are? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I feel like it would definitely have to be in like a definitely a, in a cultural sense um you know like especially when you're looking at i guess going back to indigenous magical practices that is and part of what i'm looking at yeah yeah you know like uh, i'm i'm not super familiar with the many indigenous practices of native americans um or even really indigenous australians but you know i grew up hearing Things like dream time stories from, um, you know, the, the local indigenous nations here, they come into our schools and they, they tell us, you know, these kinds of their, uh, their, their kind of children's versions of, of their stories and their folklore. Um, so I think just, yeah, growing up with different kinds of imagery and 
I think the way in which they're the same would be, you know, there seems to be a strong emphasis on connection with the land. Yes. I think the relationships with land will be different um, between Australia and the US just because the the topography is different, the climates are different. Um, But I I really do enjoy just the the idea of having a relationship with your environment and a relationship with the nature that you have around you. Um, I think that's, uh, that's something that I, I really like. And um, it, it's something I'd love to even connect with going back to, I guess, like my family heritage comes from sort of England and Ireland and Scotland and those kinds of areas. So I'd, I'd love to spend more time in, in the UK and, and Ireland, especially in, in, get more familiar with the landscapes in, in those regions. Because I think, think? Yeah, environment, environment is really important to shaping so much folklore. What do you think happened? Happened? Yeah. Why? Because you and I seem to have a similar ancestral background. What is up with our people that we are not as connected to the land as the people who, <laughs> like, do I have to go back to where they're from? Yeah, it's interesting. Is that it? it? Yeah, because like I, I love Australia. Like I, I think of Australia as as home, but not not in the way that it's home for Indigenous nations. Yeah, like there, there there is a different quality of connection. I think that Aborigines have with Australian landscapes, and just there's something about the weight of history. You know, like like comparing 60,000 years of of heritage in the land with you know three or four generations of, yeah you know my family coming from Europe there I'd, I'd really love to know more about where my family came from and the threads that that go back to those places um yeah it's have you done it, any it of that? It does feel like there's a, a <clears throat> disconnect. I tried to look up like ancestry.com and I think my grandma's got a family tree that she's she's got and but I can't like I I don't really know the stories. Like I don't even know how we we kind of like when when did my family arrive in Australia? I have I don't actually know the story. <laughs> um, have you done the DNA, any DNA of the DNA stuff? No, I haven't done the DNA analysis. Um, I couldn't find any useful useful information on things like Ancestry.com, so I didn't really bother with, you know, ordering a kit or anything. might be fun to do just um, just out of curiosity. I mean, it I suspect <laughs> that I'm 99% English, Scottish, Irish mix. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything. Oh, there might be some Dutch. Maybe maybe some some Germanic heritage. I'm not sure. Yeah, my grandma's not sure where her great grandmother came from, so she suspects that her line might have come over from maybe Denmark. But oh, can't can't quite find the threads of of the records. Did you? Is there like a census in Australia? That's how I found most of my stuff. Yeah, there is a census. Um, we've actually got a census coming up in August, I think. But yeah, I I tried to, I think I, it might be one of those ones where I'll, I'd need to go to maybe a library or some actual record hall. I should look up and see. Oh yeah, you probably I don't find, have. <laughs> I could find the records of my grandparents' marriage, but I couldn't 
I couldn't really find anything before that. The The records seemed kind of incomplete or maybe I was just looking in the wrong place or in the wrong way and my Google food just was failing me on that day. Who knows? You probably don't have Jehovah. Is it, I don't know if it's Jehovah's Witnesses or Latter-day Saints obsessing over everyone's genealogy. Ah. You probably don't have that because one of the biggest databases of that stuff belongs to, I don't remember which one, it's either LDS or Jehovah's Witnesses. Right, okay. Which is nuts. I don't... Nosies. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I know we have Jehovah's Witnesses here in Australia and, and you know, Mormon populations, and but, like, I don't really have much contact with them. I, uh... I, I knew someone who grew up in something of a, a kind of an isolated religious cult in, I Ooh. guess, the Australian outback. But that's, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really know too much information about it. Like, I don't know how sinister it is. Anytime you hear the <laughs> word cults, it, you just go, "Ooh, that sounds really something bad." Sinister, happening. but I don't know if it was just more of a closed community kind of thing. This is just how they were describing it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Do you celebrate the Sabbaths? And do you have the a favorite? I, the ones I only really celebrate are, you know, like Yule and Christmas and, you know, Samhain around Halloween, just because they're, they're so socially mainstream. Yeah. Um, and Halloween is definitely my favorite and Samhain around Halloween, just because I'm an absolute sweet tooth and I'm all about cozy. I was going to say, vibes. it's candy time. <laughs> Candy time. <laughs> and I love decorating for Halloween and dressing up and going to parties. And I, I know, you know, Halloween and Samhain are, are different things. Um, but I, I I really like the introspective aspects of Samhain. And I guess just doing a little bit of shadow work kind of really ties in with the way I like to practice. Now, do you do it in October? Yes. Yeah, we, so our actual Samhain, like the equivalent Samhain is more March, April? I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I kind of celebrate with the Northern Hemisphere timeline. <laughs> when it's warm. Yeah, it's warm. That so, sounds like, so Christmas to me. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is always sweltering hot. So oh, it's, yeah. uh, it never feels, uh, you know... It, it, there's a disconnect between watching Christmas movies like Home Alone and where everything's nice and snowy and twinkly <laughs> lights. And we have the twinkly lights, but you're also wiping sweat from your, <laughs> from your face kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a different, different vibe. <laughs> huh. I do. I love, I love snowy winters though. I've spent a couple of winters in the Northern hemisphere. I like, I, I've lived in, Germany and then just sort of traveling on, on various holidays and things. I think I've had a couple of winter Christmases now and oh, I, I love them. They're always so magical. Where did you live in Germany? I I was there two times actually. I was living and studying there in Dusseldorf, which is on the sort of closer to the northern western area uh, of Germany and then a couple of years, a few years after that, I lived in Berlin for Ooh. about eight months. Berlin is incredible. I love Berlin so much. Everyone says that, and I stupidly I never went. What a <laughs> moron I am! <laughs> I I stupidly studied French in high school because I thought, you know, oh maybe I'll one day I'll live in France, and then I've lived 
two two whole stretches in Germany. <laughs> never, never studied the language properly in high school. <laughs> but they touch, don't they? Did you go to Did you go over there? Go to France yeah. or to Germany? Yeah, I've I've visited to France. It was actually kind of a funny experience because uh, they seem to to hit every. <laughs> Sorry to all the French people listening to this because I, I know some wonderful <laughs> French people, but a lot of them hit the stereotypes of <laughs> of rude French Parisians. <laughs> yeah, I, I was there in high school. I went on like a school trip over there. I was, I was really really lucky that I got to go, and. Um, yeah, we we were only in in Paris for a few days, but I landed and they lost my bag, so I oh, spent no. like this whole whole trip without luggage. <laughs> and and uh, the the guy at the airport was super rude and was was just like, you know, don't you you shouldn't make a fuss, you know. It's oh my gosh, <laughs> it's going to be stressful for your host family if you're upset that your <laughs> bag is missing. I'm like, well, I'm I'm not that upset about it, but you don't have to be a dick, you know. <laughs> And then uh, the host family, all all of them are wonderful except for the daughter who was around our age, 15, 16. Like she would oh, no. she, she, she'd just throw tantrums. Like it was, it was the weirdest behavior I'd ever seen. Like she, <laughs> she would just throw tantrums and go and slam the door and then put on the black-eyed peas in protest <laughs> of something. It was, oh, what? Just, it was really strange. And then we were wandering up the uh, the Champs Elysees as part Ooh. of a school group, and it's where all these like really beautiful, fancy jewelry stores are, and you know, a bunch of sixteen year olds wearing backpacks and really daggy, oh, no. daggy clothes are like, oh, let's go into this really fancy oh, jewelry no. store. <laughs> and it's one of those ones they where they, they buzz you in with a, like a yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they buzz you into the shop. And the, uh, the the doorman must have just been having a really boring day because he kept closing the door in our faces. And we, we'd go up because we thought they were automatic doors. So we'd approach the door and they'd open and then they'd slam in our faces like, what's going on? And then we see the, the little doorman smirking and pushing the button. <laughs> I mean, I feel so, kind uh, of like what a jerk, but I also feel like good for him for entertaining himself. His job probably I thought it was sucks. really funny. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was malicious because he, he was kind of, once he knew we'd cottoned on to it, he let us in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love traveling around that area. God, I'd love to love to explore more of Europe. I, I just love travel. I, I cannot wait until the, the global situation as yeah. it stands is different so that it's, uh, we can travel again. Yes. What would you like to see discussed more in the witch community? I would love to see more discussion of why practices are the way that they are. Like I, I want to know more about what people believe about how and why magic works mm-hmm. and how that informs their practice. Because um, when I when I started up my, I guess, I guess my witchcraft again a few years ago. I really struggle with the idea of magical correspondences. So, you know, things like crystals and colors and herbs and planets that they have these kinds of abstract ideas attached to them, like, you know, like love or a specific kind of healing or a personality trait. And I just, I couldn't find any information on where that came from. You know, like, why is this associated with this thing? Yep. Um, and there's there's so much history and context that goes into those kinds of correspondences. 
and then how they translate into folk, folk practices in general that when you're just looking at a rote list of this crystal means that and that herb means that, you, you lose all of that really nice history of of why that came about. So I wish people would would talk more about that. And there are a lot of YouTubers that do exactly that. Um, there's one I subscribe to who's a, a real big history buff and she goes into the history of, of specific aspects of pagan history and practices that I, I really enjoy that kind of thing. You and Kim Stoll are on the same page. <laughs> Her example was Rosemary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. On that, on that, along that line, I want to know mm-hmm. if like Malachite, Malachite are we using the- it? The green one? Yeah. Are we using it yeah. for money because it's green and our money is green? What if you're not from the United States? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because my money looks like Monopoly money. Yeah. <laughs> Do you um, use rainbow uh, fluorite? <laughs> <laughs> I like gold. I really like gold oh, yeah. for it because it's like that's the OG money. <laughs> Or but could you? you use but could you use rainbow fluorite for a color? Yeah, you could. I word I've forgotten not. already, and you just said it. What did you just say? What is that word? What are Gold? we discussing? No money. Correspondence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you could because I think um, it ties back to I guess the you know consciousness, like w- whatever you kind of associate whatever helps you foster a particular state of mind in yourself and the associations that you have yeah I think is the important thing like I do think that there is a kind of momentum like when you have cultural agreements around you know green means money or gold means luck or you know these kinds of things I I think that does get a bit of momentum in and collective weight in consciousness that's really interesting and can be powerful to tap into and uh, and draw upon but i wouldn't discount your own personal associations um at all you know if you have if, if you associate rosemary with something completely different than what it's you know it, it's written down on paper correspondences are supposed to be then I, I think you can absolutely go for bringing that into your own craft yeah, I'm a big proponent of do what you can with what you have. Yeah, yeah. I don't absolutely. know hardly any of the correspondences of what grows on my property. I just know what I see it do, so I know what I tell it to do in my work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just continue <laughs> doing that thing that I see you doing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like, um, you know, the 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 path of least resistance kind of idea of like yeah. if, if the energy is flowing in a particular direction and behaving in a particular way then you know just to push it further along that path you know <laughs> yeah thinking back to when you were new at witchcraft what do you wish somebody had told you i think it's uh, i wish someone had told me to journal my experiences more um you know like I wish that was something I had thought to do um because you know I mentioned before that I went through kind of two phases of of witchy spiritualism so I was big into it into a teen into my early 20s and now I'm really interested 
in it again. Um, and I feel like if I had actually, like it wasn't until I had that, that kind of ghost experience and that, that energy sensation that I really started remembering past experiences that I'd had before that with the same kind of energy. So, you know, things like little, little moments of clairvoyance even, or clairsentience and what that feels like and what that was, that was like. Um, so if I thought to document that at the time that I had those experiences, I might not have, um, I guess, lost the faith in, in those intervening years. Cause I would have had my own roadmap to refer mm-hmm. to and go, well, that's what that felt like. And that was my experience then. And I captured it right after it happened so that I know it's not tainted or distorted by memory over time. Um, and I think that would have been really useful for me to have over the years and be really interesting as well to, to look back on those little experiences in childhood and just, just little weirdness of things like, oh, I can't explain this now. Maybe I can explain it in years yeah. to come. Who would you say are the three biggest influences on your practice? So the three biggest, uh, the first one would definitely be all the women in my family, especially my mother. So she introduced me to so many beautiful illustrated storybooks and fairy tales and art and crafts that really informed my artistic state, artistic taste and style today. And we watch movies like you know, Practical Magic and Ever After together and she'd make up fairy stories at night to help me sleep and she'd read um, you know, Harry Potter to me and my brother before bed and just that even the music she listened to while I was growing up was like just really witchy, like Stevie Nicks and Tori Amos and Robin Dunn and she just really fostered a, a sense of magic and curiosity while we were growing up that uh, is really influenced kind of everything that I connect to in a, in a nostalgic way today. And the next influence would definitely be scientists like um, Dean Radin and Peter Fennick. So people seeing people within the scientific community move from non-believers to skeptically open-minded to, well, here are the findings. We're, we're pretty sure there's something spooky going on here. <laughs> <laughs> really informed the way that I approach magical practice. And I, I'm like, well, does it does it work in this context, and why not, and why does it? And you know, I I don't do well with things like here's a spell, put this candle next to this ribbon, and now your spell will work because it's mm-hmm. a cake. You know, it's, it's like a shaken mix. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not how I think about it. I have to have an understanding of the mechanics behind why things work or don't yeah. work. Yes. Yeah. And the uh, the third influence would be just the online community at large for sure. So YouTube, YouTubers and community figures like um, Harmony Nice was the the first first one I started watching. Thorn Mooney, Brown and Bendy, Gem Goddess, Wabar, obviously, and even uh, Rachel Stephen, who is a teacher of narrative craft, who is also a witch. Honestly, the, like the list is so long. Harmony Nice was like my very first introduction and I, I watched her video on tea leaf reading and then I got really into her supernatural stories and then, you know, the algorithm just kind of fed me all of this goodness <laughs> over time. So now I've got a good list of people I turn to. Who do you think I should have on the show? You know, I, I second Macy on this. Um, I would love to hear Jordan from Moonlight's Apothecary on the show. I watched uh, watched one of her ghost hunter videos and 
it gave me a headache for hours. I like I loved it, like not the headache, but just the sheer <laughs> energy of what she captured on video was really amazing. And uh, I've always really enjoyed hearing her on Waba, so I'd, I'd definitely love to hear more from her. Me too. I, I haven't asked her yet. <laughs> 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 I was like fell back into thought because she, I bought um like a group of readings from her yeah and she, when i was talking i talked to her about the starting a podcast and she's like yeah you should absolutely do it yeah and she like told me the things that i needed to do and so yeah i'm definitely going to ask her yeah <laughs> i uh i should get a reading from her that sounds really interesting yes yes did you hear on one of the, the the podcasts that she was on being, I think it was at one of the Halloween specials, maybe, um, or the Spooky Sewed specials, I can't remember, but while she was being, while she was talking with Macy and Charlie on Wabar, the whispers, kind of whispering. Yes, <laughs> whispering Jesus. In the background. I was listening to that with my, with my partner, Zach, and he's like, oh, that's a really cool audio effect. I'm like, yeah, that's really, that's, that's, that's creative. And then hearing Macy or Charlie say after that's like, no, we didn't hear that at the time that was that was not put in <laughs> yeah she's <laughs> uh yeah just carrying the gateway to other realms that's so weird <laughs> i would like you to recommend something anything at all i think i would recommend dean raiden's book real magic like that was so instrumental to me opening my mind to to certain spiritual possibilities like that was my gateway and so if you you know if anyone listening is at all uh interested in the science of consciousness and you know how mind and matter kind of interplay and and like to really do a deep dive on the mechanics of that i'd I'd really recommend that book I know you told a story already, but please tell me another story. Any story. It doesn't have to be witchy or ghosty. It can be something stupid that happened that you like to tell people because it makes you laugh. The only things that keep coming to mind are these like little experiences that I had as a kid. And just like these moments of strange, inexplicable knowing. Oh, I love these. <laughs> like they're, they're not they're like they're so trivial like they weren't really anything um you know like the great prophecies foretold kind of moments or anything like that but I remember one time there was like a quiz happening in class and you'd have to raise your hand and then answer the the quiz question before anyone else did and there was a before the teacher had asked the next question I knew in my heart and mind and soul that the answer was going to be 90. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> and so the teacher had only half asked the question when I raised my hand and just shouted 90. And the, the question ended up being, what is the the angle of a right angle? Huh. And it, it's just like, it's just this really weird. I, I think that the thing that stands out about it is like, there's just like this, this really bizarre feeling of certainty like you know how when you go you know two plus two what does that equal four you don't question it it's just certain yeah there was that kind of feeling to it which I, I thought was really just really interesting and uh there was another moment where I remember my mom had picked my brother and I up from school um 
it must have been sort of you know like just just before we were teenagers or something and and she seemed kind of a, a bit stressed about something and we were driving along and I had this kind of like just mental image of of like this uh it was like a scene from a film clip I, I can't remember which film clip it was but it was there was this like this yellow yellow sign that just read notice of eviction and it was just like really strong in my mind and then I I was like really confused and then just kind of returned to reality I'm like oh that was a really weird kind of mental image to have and that my mom tells me later that we had to move out of the house we were renting in at that time because the owners wanted to move back in and that's why she was stressed out <laughs> so it's just like like these little little pockets of just like weird uh, imagery or just knowing that um, yeah I, I'm trying to tap into again because that was just it'd be so useful if you could channel that into something practical <laughs> yeah on a regular basis exactly yeah well thank you for the stories oh thank you so much for having me on I've had such a fun time this thanks really for good. being here thanks for coming on the show <laughs> all right I have a coupon code for 15% off at using the code who, which, where. Yay. Thank you. So listeners, go get you some tea. <laughs> They're super pretty and I bet they smell amazing. They do. Sometimes I would just sit there and just like huff it as I make it. Like I'll spoon <laughs> it out into the little tray and I'll just sit there and like mm, cinnamon or berries. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the blue moon. I can't wait to smell it. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoy it when you get it. I'll uh, send through your details and I'll, I'll ship you some. <laughs> Plus, Ken loves blueberries. Like, he's crazy for them, so. Oh, nice. We're about yeah, that. I, I love elderberry. <laughs> like, I'm I'm so into el- elderberry-flavored things. Um, like, elderberry syrup as well. Like, oh, I love it. I actually added some elderberry syrup to the Blue Moon along with some, like, as part of a party cocktail. I think I added some oh. vodka to it. Oh, it's, yeah, it was, what? Was, wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> I made like a big vat of it. And so there's like this big sparkly glass um, dispenser of of glittery party cocktail for a Halloween party. Oh, on you. my great. gosh. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Holy moly. Time to give it a Blue up. Moon is decaf, right? Blue Moon caffeine free yeah i've got okay. a few blends that like the ruibos ones are caffeine free okay i think there are four four of them are caffeine free that's what i need i just apparently can't do it anymore which makes yeah. me very sad because i love some sweet tea because i'm from virginia <laughs> <laughs> well thank you again for coming on the show thank you thanks again so much for having me it was a, it was a great time yay and I will see you out on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Surfing the waves of the interwebs. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Sarah Louise for coming on the show. I really had a good time talking to her. I have had the chance to try the Blue Moon tea that we talked about. And it is delicious. You really need to take advantage of that coupon code and go check it out for yourself. I'm also really happy to say that I got my first review and it is by The Jeb Abides and they say, I heard about Clever Kim from another podcast that I adore, The Witch Bitch Amateur Hour. So when I found out they started their own pod, I knew I had to check it out. I instantly fell in love with it. 
It's so great to hear from different witches with different perspectives and practices. I'm a solitary witch and I'm fairly new-ish to the community. I deal with imposter syndrome and comparing myself to other witches a lot. Listening to this podcast helps bring me back to my center and helps me realize that everyone practices differently and at their own pace. Each episode is like a wake-up call for me and snaps me out of thinking that the way I practice my craft is wrong or inadequate. Each witch Kim has interviewed so far has been vastly different than the last, yet similar in the fact that they are all witches just like me. I recommend this podcast to all witches, but especially solitary witches like myself. I look forward to it every time the moon changes. That makes me feel great because part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is not just because I'm a nosy person and I want to hear people tell me about their lives, (laughs) but also because we are all different, but we are also very much the same. And I wanted to show that in the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It helps grow the podcast and you just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Who Witch Wear podcast. You can find me all around the internet on Instagram at Who Witch Wear Pod, Twitter at WearPod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Who Witch Wear Podcast, and at your favorite podcast service. Want to help the podcast grow? Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You just might hear your review read at the end of the next episode. If you'd like to recommend someone for the podcast like to be on it yourself, or if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, send an email to whowitchwearpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the moon changes. (laughs) 